everybody it is march 2nd 2021 and it is a stupid day full of stupid people doing stupid things but not you guys because you're watching the rubin report direct message with me your host dave rubin there is a lot going on here we uh we were planning on four stories today you guys know i like to do usually three sometimes four if i think uh you know there's some more stuff happening Today we're doing five because just in the last few minutes, all hell has broken loose related to Dr. Seuss. That rhymed, that completely was not intentional. All hell has broken loose related to Dr. Seuss. Was not intentional. Um, Yeah, we're banning Dr. Seuss books and I have to cover this and we busted out my own copy. I, I keep a whole bunch of Dr. Seuss books in the garage. Uh, we knew, obviously, for years that they would be coming for Dr. Seuss, so I keep all of my dangerous books in the garage. I have a stack of Mein Kampf, and then that's right next to a stack of Don't Burn This Book, and then it's all of Dr. Seuss's 39 books, uh, six of which will no longer be published anymore. I cannot believe it. But the most dangerous one is right here. It's Oh, The Places You'll Go, which, you know, for years and years, for decades, this book, this very short, thin book of rhymes uh, was given to high school graduates and college graduates, usually college graduates, as a uh, a fun way of sending them off into the world. Oh, the places you'll go, the things that you'll do. And upon rereading this today, after I moved uh, the pile of Mein Kampf, moved the pile of Don't Burn This Book, grabbed this, reread it, I think this might be the most dangerous. But just to be clear uh, as to what's happening here, people, the company that publishes Dr. Seuss books, and there's at least 39 of them. There may be more. We'll find out if he had more racist stuff, you know, hidden away in in the back room or something. Uh, They have said that they are no longer going to sell six of his titles. And I've got all six of them for you here. Uh, Scary titles, each one of them. 1937's Mulberry Street. No, no, getting rid of that one. Uh, In 1947, he published McElgott's Pool. We're getting rid of that. McElegant's pool, I suppose that is. Uh, 1950s, If I Ran the Zoo. You can only imagine what racist stuff was happening there over at the zoo. Uh, 1953, he had Scrambled Egg Super. Where did the eggs come from? Who, who, what, how many villages did you have to destroy to get those eggs? Uh, this one is fairly obvious why they had to get rid of it. Uh, 1955's On Beyond Zebra. You can imagine with the black and the white, with the zebra, something something wasn't right. And of course, in 1976, uh, his truly racist manifesto, The Cat's Quizzer. These will no longer be published by Random House Children's Books anymore. Uh, because, you know, tolerance and stuff. Because we're becoming so evolved in 2021 that we're erasing books of 1937. Duh, right? Like, I mean, it's obviously happening. But anyway, so I go into the the garage there where I keep all of our sensitive racist books, all of the other racist things in the past that I have. I also have on DVD, the Golden Girls episode when, uh, (laughs) 
When Blanche and Rose are caught with mud masks on, which appear to make them look black, that episode has now been taken off Hulu. Yes, I am not making this up. Now, ironically, the episode is about how Dorothy's son, a, a white boy, is marrying a black woman and the two families come together, but a, but a white boy and a, and a black girl marrying, that's against woke orthodoxy of the future because uh, you understand that segregation will be cool again, according to the woke people. We're gonna have to be separate, but equal, and not really equal too, uh, but that's a slightly different topic. Uh, anyway, so I went into the, uh, into the storage room there and I busted out, oh, the places you'll go, because I thought, well, wait a minute, if these are the six books that they're banning, the six Seuss books, there's got to be others. He wrote 39, did he just get all the racist stuff out with the zoo and the, and the zebra and the eggs and the cat? There must be some other stuff. So I quickly re read through this this morning with my team, and I'm only gonna read a couple pages for you here, but this, I would argue, Dr. Seuss's Oh, the Places You'll Go, that this is Dr. Seuss's most dangerous book. I'll, I'll read three pages to you, okay? Congratulations, today is your day. You're off to great places, you're off and away. You have brains in your head, you have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. You're on your own and you know what you know. And you are the guy who'll decide where to go. You'll look up and down streets, look them over with care. About some you will say, I don't choose to go there. With your head full of brains and your shoes full of feet, you're too smart to go down any not so good street. And you may not find any you'll want to go down. In that case, of course, you'll head straight out of town. And it goes on and on with this self-empowerment. And that is just, I mean, you know, for the wokesters, for the constant victim class, for those who love social justice and intersectionality and critical race theory and all of these things, you can't have people you got brains in your head, you got feet in your shoes. This is the most dangerous book Dr. Seuss ever put out. You can't have people thinking they can make choices for themselves. You can't have people thinking that they have capacity over their minds and they can just get out in the world and do whatever they want. You have, this book, this must be banned. So please, Dr. Seuss publishers, sure you got rid of the cat's quizzer and there were, it was problematic. Nobody's denying what that cat was up to. Uh, oh, beyond zebra, you know, okay, fine. But this is the one, okay? This is scary stuff. This is about individualism. This is about freedom. This is about going to get what's yours. And we, we you know, that just can't, this is 2021, okay? This isn't, you know, 1941, okay? When you could just go out there and do what you want. In our new woke society, our safe and secure society, we must eliminate books like this. You know, this thing is how many pages here? You've got, uh, oh, it doesn't even have page numbers. It doesn't even have page numbers. So you guys would like that, you wokesters, because I know you guys don't like math. So there's no page numbers on this thing. Anyway, he gets on a whole adventure and, and figures out that he's got to do it on his own. And whoo, lordy, lordy. All right, let's talk about Canada, people. Um, the, Canada's got some problems. You know, we oft joke about Canada. Oh, they're above us. They're up to the north and they're very pleasant. And they've got a lot of room. There's not a lot of people and it's a big country and they say A a lot and they like poutine. 
and things of that nature. Uh, but they've got some problems up there, uh, mostly related to their absolutely ridiculous Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. But it's actually getting worse on the quarantine front. Right now, even uh, as you guys know, I interviewed Jordan Peterson this week, and by the way, his second, his third book, I should say, uh, Beyond Order, uh, comes out today. And if you have not seen our full two-hour interview, it's up on YouTube right now. Um, but I wanted to fly to Canada to interview him, but they've got crazy quarantine situations there. It's worse in different provinces. Sounds like Montreal is, is particularly bad. Uh, but they have put out some new recommendations that are crazy. So this comes from Peel Medical up in Canada, and the Toronto Sun wrote a piece on this. I mean, this is just absolutely bananas. So according to the Toronto Sun, Peel Health has issued guidelines to parents instructing them to keep any children who have been sent home because a classmate has tested positive for COVID-19 isolated in a separate room from all other family members for 14 days. The severe guidelines, which apply even to small children who are dismissed from childcare, are being criticized by experts as harmful and not supported by science. Okay, so we've got a what to do chart. Uh, before I dive into the chart specifically, I mean, just take a look at the chart, but the basic idea here, guys, that you're gonna have young children. So let's say you've got a five-year-old in kindergarten and someone in their class gets COVID and then you're gonna start isolating children for 14 days away from the members of their family. In essence, they're telling people to lock them in their bedroom, basically leave food by the door. Imagine the level of psychological damage you are gonna to do to these children. Who believes any of these people that are supposedly the experts at this point as they destroy our families, as they destroy our jobs and everything else? Man, we have a lot of work to do. So let's look at the image here because it's, it's quite bananas. Uh, the child must isolate, must self-isolate, which means stay in a separate bedroom, eat in a separate room apart from others, use a separate bathroom if possible. If the child must leave their room, they should wear a mask and stay two meters apart from others. It is strongly recommended to test for COVID-19 on or after the date listed in your letter. And then any other children who live at the same address should stay home from school or childcare until their child who is, a, who is close contact returns to school or childcare, do not need to self-isolate in a separate room. So that's nice. So if your brother has COVID, you don't have to self-isolate in another room. You're free to roam around the domicile. Uh, they should not go out to play with friends or see anyone who don't or live with you. Um, so if your brother's got it, you, you can't play with anyone else. These are sane people, insane recommendations. Adults living at the same address can go to work unless their child develops symptoms or tests positive. I'm not sure how that makes sense because I thought we were always watching out for asymptomatic spread as well. Uh, should check for COVID-19 symptoms for everyone in the household every day. Healthcare workers should check with their employer about their organizational policy. Um, this is completely insane. And I like Canada. I love touring in Canada with Jordan Peterson. We did about 20 different shows in Canada in different cities. A couple of them we went back to twice. One of, the, one of the, my favorite cities in the world and, and two of our best shows were in, in Calgary and Western Canada. I love Toronto as well. Um, but this is completely bananas. And we are watching authoritarian governments just move on people. And I guess at the end of the day, no one's gonna do anything, right? Like no one, like if you're a parent and you listen to these regulations, you're an idiot. And, and you're in some essence, you're a child abuser as well. You're gonna lock your child in a room for 14 days in your house. How about this? How about this? Call me crazy, call me crazy. And, and again, I'm not a parent yet, so I, I can't give perfect parenting advice. 
But perhaps if you're a parent and your child gets sick, you'll, you'll know what to do within your house. You don't have to lock the child in the basement and throw them fish heads once a week. Maybe that's not the best way to do it. Maybe you would know to keep them separate for a couple days. Maybe you would let them come downstairs every now and again or be in a, a main room or you'd have other people wearing masks in the house, but you'd kind of figure it out for yourself. But no, Peel Medical, they're gonna figure it out for you with their ridiculous chart because they're better than you and uh, you love orders because you're a good citizen. Guys, let's talk about ExpressVPN. You know, if you supported Trump and watched him uh, or watched how big tech tried to shut him down, it's reasonable to think that any of us might be next. The wokists are like religious zealots who continue their crusade of censorship, repression, and cancel culture until every last voice of repression has been crushed. See you later, Dr. Seuss. Uh, sadly, they've been reinforced by the media and some of the largest companies in the world. That's right, big tech and the far left have formed an unholy alliance to track, censor, and spy on us, their fellow Americans. There has never been a more important time to protect our internet activity from bad actors, and that's why I urge you guys to get ExpressVPN. Everything you search for, watch, or click online can be tracked by big tech companies. They can then match your activity to your true identity using your device's unique IP address. When I switch on ExpressVPN with my computer or phone, my IP address is masked by a secure VPN server, which makes it harder for websites to identify me. The ExpressVPN app also encrypts my network data to protect my sensitive information from being compromised. Plus, you can use ExpressVPN on up to five devices simultaneously so your whole family can stay safe with a single subscription. That's what I like, or what I like most is how easy it is to use. It just takes one click to protect all your devices. You literally click one button, it turns green, you're good to go. That's why they're rated number one uh, as far as VPN by CNET and wired. So stop handing over your data to big tech companies and their far left enablers in government. Defend your rights with the VPN I trust for online protection. Visit expressvpn.com. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Ruben to get three months for absolutely free. Go to expressvpn.com slash Ruben to learn more. And now back to me. Woo-wee. All right. So if you thought that our first two stories about eliminating children's books that we all know nothing's wrong with and burning books in the modern day, if you think that wasn't stupid, and you think that locking your children into, in a bedroom for 14 days isn't stupid, well, meet the Joe Biden White House, uh, because this is the Department of Homeland Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas uh, during a White House press conference yesterday discussing illegal immigration, and well, I don't wanna color your opinion of it, you take a look. We are progressing every single day. Uh, I don't have a particular timeline, uh, but all I can do is communicate both to the American public and to the individuals seeking protection that we are working around the clock seven days a week to make that time frame as short as possible, but they need to wait. But they need to wait with a particular goal in mind. We are not saying don't come. We are saying don't come now because we will be able to deliver um, a safe and orderly process to them uh, as quickly as possible. Let me read that quote for you in case you missed it there from Mr. Alejandro. He said, we are not saying don't come, we are saying don't come now because we'll be able to deliver a safe and orderly process to them as quickly as possible. Now look, I wanna be very clear about something and I look forward to Media Matters and the other uh, Twitter losers selectively editing this video. Um, we are a nation of immigrants. Virtually everyone that lives in the United States either as an immigrant themselves or the descendants of immigrants. There are very few exceptions to that. The exceptions would be Native American people and peoples who, whose ancestors 
were brought here by slavery. Okay, those are really the only two exceptions. Everyone else, whatever your religious background is, ethnic background, national origin, et cetera, et cetera, came here and pretty much, pretty much almost without exclusion, came here with absolutely nothing. I want you person watching this right now, think about your grandparents or your great grandparents, whoever it is in your family uh, that came here. Did they come here with anything? Probably not, because everyone came here for a better life. That's still why these very people that he's talking about want to come to America for how, how wacky it is, it's still better than pretty much everywhere else, at least for now, although that window is definitely getting shorter. Uh, the point here is that we are a nation of immigrants and that's something to be deeply proud of. And what we did was create this incredible melting pot where everyone could come here with all the traditions, and I talk about this all the time, all their history and family foods and all of these things and fold into the melting pot of America. That is in stark contrast to what happened in most of Europe, which created multicultural societies where there were stark differences by where you came from into your new country. So whether it's the UK or it's Germany or other European countries, if you came from a, a different place with a different background or a different skin color, you didn't integrate into society in the way that you did in America. Not in every case, but, but in most cases, actually that's how it is versus America where everyone gets to be part of the dream, right? And, and Asian Americans succeed at the highest levels here. No one gave Asian Americans anything, right? And we've had a black president already. Most European countries haven't had a black prime minister yet, et cetera, et cetera. We all know that we've done it really well here. Uh, so we are a nation of immigrants. That's something to be very proud of. But we got serious, serious problems right now. We are focused right now on getting rid of Blanche and Rose in the Golden Girls and taking out Dr. Seuss and lockdowns and complete misinformation and a meltdown by our mainstream media. We have massive, massive, massive problems. And the idea that we would be saying to illegal immigrants, yeah, yeah, still come, still come, just wait, we're gonna take care of you, we need to sort all this stuff out, it's like, Maybe we need to take care of our house at the moment. I'm not sitting here saying we need to shut down immigration, period. I'm not saying that no one can come here for asylum and anything else. But why is it so obvious, if you're paying attention, that this administration, and, and certainly it's, it's woke progressive base, cares far more about illegal immigrants and people who want to become Americans than people who are Americans. That does not make me a right-wing crazy maniac. I am for America. I am for the plurality of America and as many people coming here as is possible. But, but right now, does America, like think about it. If you were, if you were, if America's a home, let's just say America is our home, right? And it is our home. Well, if you, we're sort of having all sorts of internal problems at home. The parents were fighting, there's a drug addict downstairs, the heat doesn't work, like all sorts of problems. What would be the best thing to do? Would you just let a gajillion other people in there because you're really, really nice and you wanna just be really be nice to people, although it's not really because they wanna be nice to people, it's because they want new voters on the Democratic side, obviously. But would, would it be that you just let everybody in, you just open up the door, hey guys, come on in, sure, there's no heat, there's no running water, a uh, little disease here, they're, they're fighting, You know, he's got a gun, we got big problems, it's very abusive. Or would you say, hey, we gotta take care of our house first. We gotta clean our room. We gotta get things in order here and then we can talk about all that. But that's not what they're gonna do. They are gonna make it very clear. I mean, he's, he's not just signaling it to people that wanna come here, he's flat out saying it. We're not saying don't come, we're saying don't come now. But you know what, if you do come now, we'll probably let you in because we're a bunch of oddly guilt-ridden weirdos. And, and that's what we're gonna do. Anyway, I, I, I wanted to play this clip because I think it's worth noting 
that there is, you're gonna see, and this is my suspicion, and I, I'm pretty sure this will, will bear itself out over the next three years, you will see no position taken by this administration that would be thought of as a pro-American position. Meaning, sure, we're gonna get into wars and we're gonna blow up people in the Middle East again and things like that, but we are not going to do, which by the way is not a pro-American position, I was being sarcastic. Um, we are not gonna do anything that is for the American people first, meaning strengthen the American worker, build the middle class, cut taxes on people, get the government out of the way, open up the states, all of these things, we're gonna have to fight for it as citizens, but it ain't coming from the administration. And uh, that, is, that is a deeply depressing thought, but I, I'm pretty confident that that's how it's gonna be. Uh, let's talk about race, because we don't talk about race enough. Sure, we've banned six Dr. Seuss books, and that will help get rid of racism, much like getting Aunt Jemima off the uh, syrup bottle. That did, you know, if, if you've got 100, if America was 100% racist last year, you know, you take out Jemima, now I'd say you're 90% racist, get rid of Uncle Ben, that's about 5%. Jemima was bigger than Ben, no pun intended. Uh, you're at 85%. You, you take out Dr. Seuss, I don't know, I'll give Dr. Seuss 15%, a lot of books, big breath of work, right? So now you're, you're in your 60s or 70s. Oh, lordy, lordy. Well, when I talk about the administration and, and how they, they constantly have their eye off the ball because they're obsessed with equity, instead of what actually is happening. And by the way, my friend Peter Bogosian, who's been on the show many times, who's assistant professor of philosophy up at Portland State University, one of the things he often talks about is once any organization allows the ideas of social justice into the organization, it will no longer do its prime objective as cleanly or as well. In other words, if, if you're a company and you make pens, your goal should be to make the best pen possible, sell as many pens and all that. Once you let the ideas of social justice in and say, oh, we're not gonna hire the best people who know about marketing a pen, we're gonna do it based on the color of skin, or we're not gonna hire the best people who know how to build a pen or actually make ink that's cheaper or blah, blah, blah. Once you start focusing, putting your resources on something other than the objective, which is to sell the pen, you're gonna slowly destroy your company. And that goes for journalistic institutions, that goes for governmental institutions and everything else. Now, the reason I mention all of this is because there was a tweet yesterday from Anne-Marie Slaughter. And uh, actually, let's pull up Anne-Marie Slaughter's Twitter bio first. Yeah, let's do her Twitter bio first. Uh, she's a patriot, she's an entrepreneur. I know most of you haven't heard of her, that's why I'm reading this. She's a mother and she's a mentor, okay, pretty good. She's a thinker, all right, not bad. I like what's happening here. Then she's a feminist, okay, if you're first wave, I'm good with you. She's the CEO of a place called New America. And here's where it gets interesting. She's a former Harvard professor a Harvard law professor, that's pretty powerful. She's the former Princeton Dean, the Dean of Princeton people. Uh, and she's also the director of policy planning at the State Department. Okay, now we can come back to me. So this is a, this is a big woman. All right, this is somebody, I mean, Harvard, Princeton, State Department. This is someone who's well-educated. She's obviously got the good ideas and I assume she's doing good at the State Department. <laughs> Let's look at her tweet from yesterday. She writes, this is essential, but it's not just that without racial equity at home, we cannot be effective abroad. Why not start imagining what a foreign policy with racial equity at its core would look like? And what she's referring to is the tweet you're seeing below there, uh, which is a quote from Joe Biden. There is no longer a bright line between foreign and domestic policy and to push back against authoritarianism effectively, the US must make racial equity a whole government Effort. Now, what 
can somebody explain to me what racial equity has to do with foreign policy? Should we be looking around the world and going, well, you know, if we killed a couple Europeans, we should probably kill a couple Africans. And if we killed a couple women here, we should probably blow up a couple women over here. The idea of equity is ridiculous. It is the most dangerous idea flowing through society. The idea that your foreign policy would be based on equity. I mean, it just doesn't even make any sense. Like it's not comparing apples and oranges. At least they're both fruits. The idea of equity in foreign policy, foreign policy, what, 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 what would a sensible foreign policy look like? I actually lay it out in Don't Burn This Book. A sensible foreign policy, I'm for a strong military so that you don't have people messing with you. Not so that you're invading countries, not so that you're bombing everybody. You have a strong military, so you say, hey guys, don't, don't do anything because we're gonna smack you pretty hard. By the way, we had pretty, pretty solid four years of that under, under Orange Man. Now, what would equity mean in foreign policy? What does that mean? That if we bomb a little bit over here, we better bomb a little bit over here? That we have to, our foreign policy, that we have to have X amount of this color person represented and this gender person and this sexuality? None of it makes any sense, but they say, I mean, this is a woman who was the dean at Princeton, a Harvard law professor. And let me just read the quote again. Let's pull it up just one more time. Just the, the level of stupidity, like it's just meaningless drivel that they put out there as if it means something. This is essential, but it's not just that without racial equity at home, we cannot be effective abroad. Why not start imagining what a foreign policy with racial equity at its core would look like? What, what could you possibly mean by foreign policy should have racial equity at its core? And by the way, without racial equity at home, not racial equality like that Martin Luther King guy wanted, and they'll get him like Dr. Seuss soon enough. They're going for the doctors now. First you take out Seuss, then you take out MLK Jr., okay? Um, it does, you want racial equality, not racial equity. <sighs> we got work to do, people, we got work to do. Again, this is someone who, this isn't like, the reason I wanna do this tweet, it doesn't matter that you've probably never heard of her. I mean, this is a, someone who works in the State Department, who is a blue check Twitter person, who was the Dean of Princeton, who is a, a former uh, professor of law at Harvard, and then they string together, and this is why social justice makes so many people so stupid. They string together these words as if it means anything. Ra just one more time, racial equity should be at the core of our foreign policy. Really think about that, and do let me know in the YouTube comments what racial equity at the core of our foreign policy could possibly mean. It means absolutely nothing. But not only does it mean nothing, the previous part of her sentence, racial equity at home. You can't have racial equity. You can have racial equality, which is what we have. If you were to show me that there was a law in place that segregated or punished a certain type of person based on the color of their skin, I would be against that law. We used to have those types of laws. We don't have those types of laws anymore. The idea of racial equity is that we're gonna use the power of the state to rejigger the society and the economy. And by the way, what's the, you wanna really go down that road? You guys really wanna do that? Well, the, the end result of this, of this new move on equity is that we will have systemic racism, we will have institutionalized racism, and it will be against white people. They, these people will put laws in place that will ensure that white people will be punished. And by the way, at that Harvard, that Harvard place that she was a law professor, 
you all know this, but they openly discriminate against Asian people because too many Asians work too hard and got too educated. Not that people gave Asians anything, right? Where there were, where there were a ton of Asian people that came here with anything. A lot of, a lot of my Korean friends, their, their grandparents came over with a lot. No, complete nonsense, complete nonsense. It's not just Asian, it's Japanese, Chinese, whatever it might be, okay? But this is what they're pushing on us. And just wait till they're the ones, the people who scream about systemic racism while it doesn't exist in the system, although it does exist, racism as a thing, it's part of the human condition, uh, and we should do our best to eliminate it, uh, they are the ones that are gonna be putting racism in the system. But if you thought that the stories that I've done thus far weren't stupid enough, I wanna talk to you about Andrew and Chris Cuomo, the Cuomo brothers, one of whom is a CNN anchor and one of whom who is the governor of New York, although perhaps for not much longer, because as you've probably heard over the last couple of days, there have been a couple scandals brewing where Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, uh, has been accused of sexual harassment. Now, I'm not even going to comment on the veracity of the claims. That, that is for people to discover what's true and what's not true. I know we were supposed to believe all women before, and me too, and all that whole thing. And then it was like, oh, believe women if they're accusing Republicans like Brad Kavanaugh, but don't believe them if they're accusing Democrats. And it's all very weird. But in any event, Andrew Cuomo is being accused, I think now by three women of some level of sexual harassment. And his brother, Chris Cuomo, who has interviewed him countless times uh, and done ridiculous, silly comedy skits with giant cotton swabs on CNN. Well, his brother addressed Andrew's, the accusations against Andrew, on his CNN show last night, and let's take a look. Before we start tonight, uh, let me say something that I'm sure is very obvious to you who watch my show, and thank you for that. You're straight with me, I'll be straight with you. Obviously, I'm aware of what's going on with my brother, and obviously, I cannot cover it because he is my brother. Now, of course, CNN has to cover it. They have covered it extensively, and they will continue to do so. I have always cared very deeply about these issues and profoundly so. I just wanted to tell you that there's a lot of news going on that matters also, so let's get after. All right, so look, Chris Cuomo is just a ridiculous clown in a CNN little TV box. That's all that he is. Not only did he report on stories about his brother and about COVID and the economy and everything else that his brother's done for the last year, but he interviewed him many, many times. I mean, if you haven't seen it, they did this absolutely ridiculous interview at the height of the pandemic where, where Chris busts out this giant cotton swab and they're laughing about things while supposedly people are dying everywhere. This is the worst pandemic in the history of the world and everything else. But now he can't talk about his brother anymore. So okay, was there a conflict of interest and were you ignoring it before? Or was there never a conflict of interest, but now you don't wanna throw your brother under the bus? But this is just completely consistent with the sort of insider nonsense that is mainstream media and politicians. Half of the people on these networks that are your news anchors that are supposedly bringing you truth, half of them worked for the administrations, much like George Stephanopoulos, who I think was chief of staff in the Clinton administration. Do you think you're getting really honest information from ABC's chief White House correspondent or whatever he is, chief of news, uh, you know, when he worked for the 
with the Clinton administration, and there's a million other examples of this. People go into politics, they usually fail there, or they screw things up, and then they get jobs as cable news anchors. This one's a particularly sort of perverse, gross, incestuous version of it, because it's like for this last year, there were all the all the sycophants, all the blue check sycophants, who were like, it's so cute watching Chris Cuomo and Andrew Cuomo talk to each other during, it's so cute, and they're both handsome, and who's cuter, and bleh. And it's like, well, now that the shit has hit the fan, now that Andrew's in trouble, now, whoa, 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 Lemon, you're gonna have to talk about that. Acosta, you're gonna have to talk about that. I can't talk about that. When it was looking pretty good for him before the whole scandal blew up and you know he killed all those people by putting them back into old age homes, then I can talk to him and joke with him during the pandemic, but not, not anymore. Anyway, I think you see my point, people. Uh, as I promised yesterday, this is a big week, so if you have not seen it yet, my full two-hour interview with Jordan Peterson, who is returning, and dare I say, just in the nick of time, uh, it is now up on YouTube. As always, it is up totally ad-free at rubenreport.locals.com. And people, you're not gonna believe this, I am going to meet real, live human beings Tonight, at an undisclosed location, members of the Rubin Report community will be coordinating. We are going to a bar together. We're gonna have drinks. We might have chicken wings, something that Andrew Cuomo once said doesn't count as a meal. We'll decide, we'll decide tonight. Uh, at two o'clock today, I will be posting the location for members only at rubinreport.locals.com. I know that a whole bunch of people are coming already. We're gonna meet at six o'clock tonight here in Los Angeles, that's two o'clock Pacific. I'll be posting the location. Again, that's members only. Uh, and then we'll be meeting at six o'clock and I'll, I'll hang out till, till we've all shook hands and cheered and, uh, and clank glasses and all that good stuff. So I look forward to actually seeing real human beings. It's a beautiful day in Los Angeles. We'll, we'll hang out outside because it's highly illegal to be indoors with other humans. Uh, and, uh, and again, Jordan Peterson interview, LA meetup today, rubenreport.locals.com. And whatever you do, whatever you do, do not buy this book, okay? Hitler, Hitler, the leader of the Nazis, wrote a book once, okay? It's called Mein Kampf, My Struggle. And that's a dangerous book. But this, I mean, I read the first three pages for you guys, just at the top of the show. The self-empowerment of this book, the idea that you should go out and get yours, the idea that the world is yours to conquer, that it's your oyster and you've got a chance because you've got a brain in your head and feet in your shoes, that is the most dangerous idea out there. So get this book. A minute ago I said don't get it, but what I really mean is get this book. Get this book really quick before they take this away because this is far more dangerous than the zebra book or the cat book or the other books that you can do it on your own. That's what I believe. I hope that's what you believe. Have a good day. I look forward to seeing you guys tonight. Later.